June's Journey is a fascinating hidden object mystery gaming app where you'll play as June Parker, tasked with a daunting obligation, solve your sister's murder. Set in the 1920s, the era of glitz and glam, this family mystery is one for the ages. Everyone's a suspect until your investigation determines otherwise. The clues are all around you, hidden within tricky twists and turns. You'll collect detailed information about each character in your photo album where you'll comb over every detail. You can even join a detective's club to chat and play with others or against them in the detective's league. With hundreds of puzzles to solve, you should probably get started today. Discover your inner detective when you download June's Journey for free today on iOS and Android. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Audible is the destination for thrilling audio entertainment with highly anticipated new releases. The time is now more than ever to embrace the breathtaking, sinister, and shocking tales that can enthrall you, especially with brand new exclusive thrillers from best-selling authors who are guaranteed to keep you gripped, like Amy Tintera's Listen for the Lie. With exclusive thrillers from best-selling authors, captivating sound design, and dynamic performances, Audible brings these stories to life like never before. And as a member, you can choose one title a month to keep from their entire catalog. New members can try Audible free for 30 days. Visit audible.com slash WonderyPod or text WonderyPod to 500-500. That's audible.com slash WonderyPod or text WonderyPod to 500-500. Tonight, we're tracking the first storm of the hurricane season to threaten the U.S. The tens of millions of Americans in the path of a tropical system this weekend facing heavy rain and dangerous winds. Tropical storm warnings in effect for Florida ahead of what could be the first named storm. What you need to know about expected tropical storm Alex. Former Trump aide indicted. Peter Navarro arrested at the airport, charged with contempt of Congress for not cooperating with the January 6th investigation. And then they put me in handcuffs. Plus the stunning new details that the Secret Service was warned about Vice President Pence's safety before the January 6th attack. The shocking arrest of a retired New York police officer near the U.S. Capitol. A fake badge, body armor, and high-capacity magazines. 100 days of the war in Ukraine. Meet the Ukrainians using drones that can carry powerful explosives. Soaring gas prices. Watching me pump my paycheck away. (laughs) Why drivers might not see relief anytime soon. Royal celebration. Prince William and Kate, Prince Harry and Meghan all attend the Queen's Jubilee. Why the guest of honor was missing. And tonight we go on the road with a family reunion that was years in the making. This is the CBS Evening News with Nora O'Donnell. Reporting from the nation's capital. 
Good evening and thank you for joining us on this Friday night. Tonight a major storm system is bearing down on Florida as the Atlantic hurricane season gets underway. The system is expected to make landfall around noon tomorrow, but it's already lashing Cuba with torrential downpours. Two people were killed in Havana when flooding turned streets to raging rivers. In Florida, life-threatening flash flooding is the main concern as parts of Miami could see more than a half a foot of rain. Strong winds and huge waves are currently battering the southern keys as residents flee to safer areas inland. Key West is where we find meteorologist Reynolds Wolf from our partners at the Weather Channel. Good evening, Reynolds. Good evening, Nora. We are merging into our evening hours the way we began the morning with some scattered showers. For dear viewers across America, you can see the raindrops moving diagonally across your, your screen, but I'll tell you, we've had a bit of a pattern. Each of these tropical systems have their own symmetry, and the way ours began with is that rain that comes down like staccato drum beats, the wind tends to pick up, then we have drier air that begins to move in. Well, we're expecting more of the rainfall, and that can be a true huge issue for us. Another issue has been the wind at times, causing some sporadic power outages, and we might see more of those as we make our way over the next several hours. Let's go, if we can, to the radar and show you the narrative of what we're seeing with the system. All tropical systems carry a variety of threats, but really the big one of this will be that, well, the, the precipitation. Some locations have the potential of having anywhere from 6 to 8 inches of rainfall, but keep in mind, some locations possibly up to 10 inches or more. There have been some ponding on some roadways here in Key West, home to roughly 26,000 people year-round. But it's this new visitor, this tropical system, that's causing a lot of issues tonight. And we're ready for that system to move up, move out, and off into history. Let's send it back to you, Nora. All right, Reynolds Wolf, thank you so much. Well, back here in Washington, CBS News has learned that Mark Short, the chief of staff to former Vice President Mike Pence, warned the Secret Service that then-President Donald Trump, Trump was going to publicly turn against the vice president, and it could pose a security threat to him. Short warned the Secret Service on the day before the Capitol insurrection. CBS News can also confirm the top Pence aide is expected to appear at the upcoming January 6th committee's public hearings. Meanwhile, former Trump aide Peter Navarro was arrested by the FBI today and he said he was startled by how the confrontation went down. Here's CBS's Jeff Pegues. Former top Trump aide Peter Navarro was arrested this morning at Reagan National Airport as he was waiting to board a flight. Instead of calling me and saying, hey, we need you down at court. We've got a warrant for you. We're gladly come. What did they do? They intercepted me getting on the plane. And then they put me in handcuffs, bring me here, they put me in leg irons. Appearing in federal court, Navarro complained about how he was apprehended, calling it despicable. Prosecutors may have been concerned that he was trying to flee, alleging in the indictment that at each and every turn, the former advisor to President Trump has all but ignored a lawful subpoena to appear before the January 6th committee. Anxious to speak with him about his efforts to overturn the election. Their clear mission is to prevent Donald John Trump from running for president in 2024. The indictment includes two counts of contempt of Congress for refusing to appear before the committee and failing to provide information on the so-called Green Bay Sweep, what Navarro referred to in his book as the last best chance to snatch a stolen election from the Democrats' jaws of deceit. The election's over, the voting's over, but the outcome is not. The plan allegedly developed with former White House advisor Steve Bannon, also indicted on contempt of Congress charges, sought to stop former Vice President Mike Pence from certifying the 2020 presidential election.
Mr. Trump's former White House Chief of Staff, Mark Meadows, also found in contempt of Congress for failing to cooperate with the January 6th committee, and yet the Department of Justice still hasn't decided whether to prosecute him. In the meantime, Peter Navarro will be back here in court June 17th. Nora. What a story. Jeff Begays, thank you. Now to that alarming arrest today outside the U.S. Capitol and concerns tonight about the motives of a retired New York City police officer who investigators say showed up with illegal ammunition and more. CBS's Nicole Killing is at the Capitol. All right, Nicole, what happened? Oh, well, Nora, CBS News spoke with the suspect late today. He claims this was all a misunderstanding and he didn't know that he had to register his ammunition. But this all happened around 5 o'clock this morning here on the west side of the Capitol. Police say when they approached him that he presented a fake police badge that read Department of the Interpol, which doesn't exist inside of his parked vehicle. Police also found two ballistic vests, several high-capacity magazines and other ammunition as well as a BB gun, but no other weapons. U.S. Capitol Police have identified him as 53-year-old Jerome Philippe from Flint, Michigan. He is a retired New York Police Department officer. Philippe faces charges of unlawful possession of high-capacity magazines and unregistered ammo. Investigators are still at this point trying to figure out what exactly he was trying to do, although a law enforcement official tells CBS News that he was just trying to see the sights here around the Capitol. Nora. Odd story. Nicole Killian, thank you. Let's turn now to Uvalde, Texas, where three more funerals took place today. We're learning stunning new details from a state senator who says the police chief who ordered officers to remain outside the classroom during the shooting was not carrying a police radio as the massacre unfolded. And here in Washington, a bipartisan group of lawmakers say they are making progress on new gun control legislation in the wake of those recent mass shootings. CBS' Scott McFarland reports tonight on the measures being discussed. With some progress among Senate negotiators over gun laws, President Biden today said he would soon get involved. I'll do what I can to try to see if we have some real progress. The president laid out a series of proposals Thursday, including a ban on assault weapons and high-capacity magazines. How much more carnage are we willing to accept? But in a narrowly divided U.S. Senate where 60 votes and both parties' support are needed, many of the president's proposals aren't on the table. Assault weapon ban, raising the minimum age, is that on the table in your conversations? Right now, there aren't the votes in the Senate to ban assault weapons, but there may be the votes in the Senate to be able to expand our background check system, to um, help states pass red flag laws um, for additional mental health funding. As negotiations continue, so does the violence. Two mass shootings a day since the attack in Texas, and the frustration continues too. With student walkouts nationwide from Maryland to California protesting inaction by Congress. This week, House Republicans stated their opposition to most gun reform proposals. Democrats today and this administration have indicated clearly that they desire to take away guns of law-abiding citizens. Some in the GOP do back hardening school security. In Little Falls, New Jersey, officers walk the halls, but kids admit they're still worried. It's... Uh, crazy to know that when I come into school every day, I'm lucky that I get to, to come home. I think that's not something that I should be feeling. A fourth grader who survived the shooting rampage in Uvalde and the parents of a girl slain there will appear next week at a House hearing on gun violence here in Washington. 
Nora Sowell, the mother of a woman killed in the shooting rampage in Buffalo last month. All right, Scott McFarland, thank you. After 100 days of war, Ukrainian President Vladimir Zelensky told his nation today that victory will be ours. Zelensky says up to 100 of his troops are being killed every day and that the Russians now occupy about one-fifth of his country. Tonight, CBS's MTS Tibes shows us the high-tech weapons that could help turn the tide for Ukraine. It is, without a doubt, a grim milestone. Despite being wildly outgunned and outmanned, what Ukraine hasn't been is outwitted and is still fighting back with a vengeance. One of its best weapons is at the top secret headquarters of its drone army, known as the Adol Rozvidka unit, where volunteer warriors attack Russia with the click of a mouse, using drones fitted with thermal imaging cameras and powerful explosives. Adol Rozvidka was founded at the start of Russia's 2014 invasion, a not-for-profit charity relying almost entirely on online donations, but has been vital to many of Ukraine's successes on the battlefield, including stopping this 40-mile Russian column dead in its tracks before it could reach Kyiv. Yaroslav Hanchar is a lieutenant colonel. How much of it has been a game-changer in this war? Technology is fundamental in this war, he says. We can't fight a symmetrical war with Russia, so we have to act smarter. It's a strategy that's working. Here Hello. is my partner. Hey, how are you? Sasha. Second pilot. Nice to meet you. So you guys are Hello. the pilots. Yes. Yeah. yeah. The brains behind this model of attack drone are former architects Oleksiy Shemoytuk and Oleksandr Gorbin. A hundred days ago, did you think this is where you'd be right now and this would be your life? It's no, no. <laughs> it's no worse in life. Yeah. We just uh, we don't have other choice. Yeah. You don't have a choice. Yeah, it's our country, our towns. You have, you have uh, to defend our it. People's. Uh, yeah. yeah, you have to defend it. The Red Cross says 100 days of war in Ukraine has caused destruction that defies comprehension. But the Ukrainians we've been speaking to say they'll keep fighting until they force Russia out. Nora, MTS Tayab, thank you for being there. Let's turn now to London, where a full weekend of events are planned for Queen Elizabeth's Platinum Jubilee. But we're learning tonight the monarch will miss a second full day of events, skipping tomorrow's horse racing derby. CBS's Holly Williams reports now on Prince Harry and Meghan Markle's first public appearance since stepping back from royal duties. Today, in the grandeur of London's St. Paul's Cathedral, they gave thanks for a much-loved queen who served her country for 70 years. But the monarch herself wasn't there. The palace said she experienced discomfort at yesterday's military parade and reluctantly decided to miss today's event. The 96-year-old is celebrating her platinum jubilee, marking seven decades on the throne. But she's been experiencing mobility issues for months. I think yesterday was quite strenuous. Today would have involved basically a three-hour round trip, two processions they had in the order of service. I think it would have been a very, very long day. Other members of the royal family were out in force today. The heir to the throne, Prince Charles and his wife Camilla. Prince William and his wife, Kate. There were boos from some in the crowd for the British Prime Minister, Boris Johnson, who's in political strife. But when Prince Harry and his wife, Meghan, arrived, they were cheered. It's the Duchess's first official public appearance in the UK since they moved to the US more than two years ago. And a reminder of her undeniable star quality. 
I think the Queen has said that they will always be regarded as members of the royal family. This is a family occasion. It's a religious service. Forgiveness is the thing. But it was the Queen that many people came to see, and they were disappointed. I know that she would have really wanted to be here today. See, I get emotional just thinking about it. But no, she's a lovely lady. The Queen apparently watched today's service on television at home. Here at Buckingham Palace, they're preparing for more celebrations tomorrow. A concert here, headlined by Diana Ross. Nora. That should be good. Holly Williams, thank you. Support for this show comes from Atlassian. Atlassian software like Jira, Confluence, and Loom help power the collaboration needed for teams to accomplish what would otherwise be impossible alone. Because individually, we're great, but together, we're so much better. That's why millions of teams around the world, including 75% of the Fortune 500, trust Atlassian software for everything, from space exploration and green energy to delivering pizzas and podcasts. Whether you're a team of two, 200 or 2 million. Atlassian Software is built to help keep you connected and moving together as one. High gas prices are turning into a major speed bump as the summer travel season kicks off. The national average for regular gas hit another record today at $4.76 a gallon. Here's CBS's Chris Van Cleve. Soaring gas prices are becoming a costly passenger for the Couch family's summer road trip. You got to think through, hey, it's going to cost us XYZ to fill up. It's going to cost us XYZ if we go out and eat. And don't expect it to get better anytime soon. I see higher prices. I see a lot of motorists interested in hitting the road. That demand for oil is outpacing supply. Watching me pump my paycheck away. <laughs> U.S. and OPEC oil production is increasing, but it's still below pre-pandemic levels. The war in Ukraine means millions of barrels a day of Russian oil stay off the market. The longer Russia's 10 million barrels remain off the global market by sanctions, the worse it could potentially get this summer. Capacity at U.S. refineries that turn crude oil into gasoline also remain below 2019 output. And while demand may peak midsummer. That's right when hurricane season ramps up. Will we see a hurricane disrupt refining? If we do, that could prolong uh, how long it will take to see a reprieve in prices. Even states waiving their gas tax hasn't stopped the climb. Connecticut drivers are saving that 25 cents a gallon, but in the last 30 days, prices are still up about 60 cents and are trending above the national average. $99, what do you think of that? I don't like it. It stinks. Historically, gas prices come down in the fall after the summer driving season is over. But with prices expected to continue rising for the next several weeks, that relief might look a lot like what you're paying right now. Nora. Chris Van Cleve, thank you. And it's Friday, and that means On the Road with CBS's Steve Hartman. And this week, Steve tells us about a reunion that was years in the making. This feels like a long time. During the wait. Oh my goodness. The torturous wait at airport arrivals. Uh, Basat Azizi made this empty vow. I'll try not to cry. But of course he would. How could he not? For the first time in his life, all his dreams 
were about to come true. Come on. We originally met Bassett in 2016. He was living in Afghanistan and had recently sent a Facebook message across the world to David Bilger, trumpet player for the Philadelphia Orchestra. Bassett was looking for a mentor. It started off saying, I'm the best trumpet player in Afghanistan because there are only two. <laughs> and, it, and I was immediately taken by him. I said, okay, I got, I got to read the rest of what he has to say. Can you try that? Bassett told him how the Taliban wanted Western music banned and the players punished. That's it. Did you feel like you were risking your safety? In some point, yes. But you did it anyway. Yeah. So with that devotion and some help from David, Bassett got into the prestigious Interlochen Center for the Arts, a high school in Michigan. From there, he went on to college in the U.S. and even got an internship with a congressman. Bassett so cherished his new American freedom, he once broke out his trumpet in a crowded airport just to honor a group of veterans he saw. That's the kind of kid he is. But he has also been a lonely kid. His entire family back in Afghanistan hadn't seen him in six years. They all fled after the fall of Kabul, but couldn't get to America. Until now. Last month, Bassett's father, his mother, and his three sisters joined him in Kansas City. His mom, Parwana, said, it was a dream to see my son before dying. Bassett's family arrived just in time to see him graduate from the University of Kansas with three degrees. One day, Bassett hopes to work for the State Department as an ambassador. But until then, he's perfectly happy with his humbler titles, brother and son. Steve Hartman, CBS News, on the road. Well, that's the best kind of reunion. Sunday on Face the Nation, Margaret's guests include Republican Senator Pat Toomey and Democratic Congressman Adam Schiff. That is tonight's CBS Evening News. I'm Nora O'Donnell in our nation's capital. Good night and have a great weekend. Calling all coffee drinkers. If you've been trying to enhance your daily coffee routine, then Quest has got your back with their brand new iced coffees. Now available in two delightfully delicious flavors that'll be sure to add an extra pep in your step. Vanilla latte and mocha latte. Quest has been on a mission to help fuel you with protein-forward foods you'll love. Each bottle of Quest iced coffee is packed with 200 milligrams of caffeine, the same amount as two cups of regular coffee, plus 10 grams of protein per serving to help you supercharge your day. And did I mention that they only contain one gram of sugar? It might just be time to cheat on your iced coffee with iced coffee. Find Quest iced coffees on Amazon.com slash Quest Nutrition. That's Amazon.com slash Quest Nutrition. John Stewart here. Unbelievably exciting news. My new podcast, The Weekly Show. We're going to be talking about the uh, election, economics, ingredient to bread ratio on sandwiches. Listen to The Weekly Show with John Stewart wherever you get your podcasts.